Ladies and gentlemen, welcome into our second episode of Tailgate Tapes. If you are new to the platform over here on the Film Guy Network, um, you know, check back last week. We had our episode one, our debut episode of Tailgate Tapes, where we broke down any given Sunday. Um, a, a true classic, I guess you could say, in the sense of you know football movies. We're going to break down a real classic uh, in the football movie space today, uh, and that being Varsity Blues. Appreciate all you guys for being here. I would like to ask you uh, to rate, subscribe, and review to the podcast here, wherever you found it, however you found it. We appreciate you being here. Uh, but we do have Varsity Blues tonight. I got my boy Dan in here again. We got Cam Brady in again with us again tonight. And SSL, who was an innocent bystander last week. But we're super excited to hear his voice on the platform again tonight here on Tailgate Tapes. Episode 2, Varsity Blues. Let's just get a brief overview as a first. I'll give you kind of the rundown, the plot summary of the movie. Uh, in West Cannon, Texas, high school football reigns supreme. When starting quarterback Lance Harbor, played by Paul Walker, turns up injured, the Coyotes' ruthless coach, Bud Kilmer, played by John Voigt, must promote benchwarmer Jonathan Mox Moxon, played by James Vander Beek, uh, to lead the team in its quest for a divisional title. Suddenly thrown into the spotlight, Mox must deal with the pre- carrying the aspirations of an entire town on his shoulders as he struggles to pursue his own very different views. First off, I got to tell you guys, I, I was very pleased um, as compared to last week. You know, we watched Any Given Sunday, which was entirely too long of a movie. It was two hours and forty movie or two hours and forty minutes. Tonight's uh, movie was actually a, an hour and forty five minutes, just under an hour and forty minutes. So extremely tight. Whereas last week we had the most Eddie Lacy movie of all time, a movie that needed a whole bunch of fat trimmed out of it. Um, tonight you won't hear me complaining too much about Eddie Lacy. I thought this movie was extremely tight in a sense that, you know, apart from one scene, uh, which we'll get into in a little bit later, it didn't have too many useless scenes. But this one was a little bit different. It it had that, it was produced by MTV. Uh, On the surface, it looked like a movie that was going to be just kind of a throwaway, another team movie. Obviously, if you were our age, you wanted to go see it. But this ended up being a really good movie. It was very football solid. Uh, Some of the characters became superstar actors obviously james vanderbeek had the uh, dawson's creek thing going so he, he was already pretty popular but yeah when this movie came out i was super stoked to see it because again a football movie guys my age the high school high school football is the one thing that most everybody relates to more than anything else because so many people played it and it was a, a really good movie that came out at that time yeah, you get the old Texas trope in here as well. So Texas high school football obviously means a little bit more, or at least to the certain specific towns, means a lot more to those involved. Um, but yeah, I think the the thing Dan hit on there that I was surprised with was opening credits to see the MTV logo. I mean, I, I'm a guy that grew up with MTV. To me, meant you know the challenge and things like that, and Jersey Shore. Never did I ever think that they were out here producing movies. So that was that was something to see for me. Cam, I saw you nod your head there. What were, what were your brief overview of, the, of this movie, just real quick? Um, I mean, just fantastic. I I, I love every second of it. Um, yeah. My wife, however, the complete opposite of your wife, cannot stand this movie. Too many boobies? Uh, I, I don't even think it's that. <laughs> I, I think she just doesn't like uh, – I think Tweeter really gets her, and uh, I'm a Tweeter guy. So. Yeah. Big, big time Twitter guy, SSL, a brief overview of the movie so far. So apparently Cam drinks beers like he does. So um, anyways, 
Anyway, no, I really I enjoyed it, you know, and I was probably the first one person here who hadn't seen it until we got it and decided to start watching it this week. Yeah, I rather my, enjoyed it. My my first time watching it front to back, and and I'll be honest, I, I was thoroughly thoroughly pr- pleased um, with this movie. All right, let's let's get into the 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 actual movie in and of itself, not just our overviews. Um, th- this movie opens up with a banger of a monologue from Mox, the main character. And I just want to read this because as a football guy, you guys know me, this kind of got my rocks off. This, this set the tone for me on this movie immediately. And I'll read it to you right here. This is literally the very first words you hear, uh, in this movie. He says in America, we have laws, laws against killing laws against stealing. It's accepted that as a member of society, you will live by these laws in West Canaan, Texas, there's another society that has its own laws. Football is a way of life. That's me as a kid, playing ball with my best friends. I'm Jonathan Moxon. Most people call me Mox. As a boy in West Canaan, you never question the sanctity of football. You just listen to the coaches and try it as best you can to win. Win at all costs. I mean, that sets the tone for this movie. And I think, honestly, as we go through this, Man, you're going to hear a lot of these things, really, especially the win at all costs. I think that was a trope in this movie that really came to bear, um, especially with Coach Kilmer uh, on the fire. You know, opening scene, opening credits, Dan, thoughts. I know I, I know, we got an Atlanta Hawks game going on, but just, just yeah, I know, just the, the overview right there from Mox, I think he really sets the tone, does he not? He does. He sets the tone, and what I really enjoyed about the opening monologue there is in the background you have the montage of little kids playing football and, you know, building up to the high school yep. uh, age. And, and how many times do you think back to when you were a kid, you know, your dad driving you to your practice or your mom driving you to practice, uh, being in practice, learning new things, the first time that you did something, the first time you caught a touchdown pass, first time you threw a touchdown pass, the first time you made a, a sack or whatever. Most of your memories originate with mm-hmm. the beginning of football, the very beginning. And, that's how they open the movie, and it immediately sucks you in and brings you in, and, and you instantly connect. And that, that is when you knew the movie was not an MTV movie. This was a real freaking movie that was produced by MTV. It, it just sucked you in right from the beginning. I, I love the term you use there, connection, right? To me, it was a connection point. It, it drew to me you know, why, why these kids go through what they do and why football means as much to them uh, as it does. Uh, I'll, I'll go ahead and go into the, the next scene. Um, guys, the, the first shot of Lance Harbor played by Paul Walker, when he walks out of his house, I'm telling you right now that that first shot, that'll make you question your sexuality. My, my, (laughs) my man, my man's jawline is, is supreme. And I know RIP Paul Walker, but this is like primo sex appeal. Paul Walker cam when you first saw Paul Walker open that screen door and he's the third character you see right you see Mox first you see Billy Bob second and then you get to see Lance Harbor when he walks out you automatically know oh shit this is QB1 am I right absolutely so uh me and my wife have a phrase uh this is the quarterback I'm the quarterback of this town yeah uh can't remember where it comes from but yeah that was the first thing out of my mind as soon as he gets on screen that's the quarterback of this town you know, it's it's I mean, it's Paul Walker in his prime. I mean, it doesn't get any better than that. I mean, this is before prime. I think I mean, Dan, correct me if I'm wrong. This this kind of introduced the world to Paul Walker, right? This is this was Paul Walker's introduction to the world is that opening scene that you're talking about. And he was glorious. I mean, my, like I said, my man walked out and I was like, hmm, 
Am I sure I like women? SSL. Um, thought, thoughts on Paul Walker. Uh, just, just as soon as he walks out and just like you see the big sign, Lance Harbor, starting quarterback. And then I'll get into my, my main issue, which was, you know, I mean, God dang, the, the fake Southern accent on Paul Walker was horrendous. He dumps, he dumps it within like two scenes. It's the only time you hear him try to be a country boy. SSL, thoughts on Paul Walker panty dropper scene first time, first time you saw him. I mean, he just walks out there and you just know, you just know, you don't need to be yeah. told. No, you, you don't, don't, you don't have, you don't have, they don't have to say anything. You just know. Absolutely. And those are the, those, he's absolutely the guy for the role in that one. Absolutely. I don't think they could have done better. Go ahead, Dan. So prior to Paul Walker showing up on the screen, you have the, the, as soon as the monologue ends in the, in the, that beginning part ends, you hear them talking about high school football on the radio, right? So you know automatically it's a small town where that matters because that's nowhere else. You don't have sports high school radio weekly, okay? That doesn't happen. And then you have the whole thing where his dad is trying to have – they're trying to have breakfast, and he's trying to talk to his kid about a game, and it's ridiculous. And you see right away that that's going to be a trope that the, kid, the parent living through. But then the introduction of the characters through going to school that morning, right? So Billy Bob shows yeah. up to pick him up, right? And he, and he jumps in, and they make him chase. And you can honestly tell that these are just boys. They're boys. And you've got Wendell in the back. They throw the pig in the back, and they go to pick up Lance, and, and then they get Tweeter. I love the way that they introduced all the characters right there because you really got to kind of understand the relationship that they had. And it was a very simple uh, way to do it, but it was I thought it was beautiful how they did that. Yeah, I thought there's a great layout. I mean, we, we get the, the initial storyline of – Lance is the starter from the little brother, right? He's like, do you think you'll play tonight? Or do you think Lance might? What if Lance gets hurt or something like that? And Mox turns around and says, don't you ever say anything like that. It's clear that Mox is like terrified of potentially being on the field. And I think we get to see that more and more as the movie develops. As, like football is a second love for this guy. I, I mean, a first love originally, but as he got older, he kind of fell out of love with it. Um, originally to me, like one of my notes here is like, this is a movie of future callbacks. And I know we'll talk about these a little bit more. But there are a bunch of like initiating scenes where it's like you're gonna see that later. Prime example: the dad getting hit in the nose with the football at the barbecue. Like, <laughs> it's a great scene. They flash red for some reason over the screen. They flash red as soon as he hits. I guess it's like a video game. I, I get it's the night late '90s, like FX or you know effects aren't that great back then. But you know that, and then you get to see him hit the mascot, and then the dad looks down in his nose, and he's like, "Oh shit, I know that feeling." It's like, oh, callback. And then the sex ed class, callback to a scene I'm sure we're going to talk about later uh, with one of the greatest uh, trilogy of, not trilogy, but like lines, like group of lines for Mox, like basically connoting words that mean an, a male erection. And my favorite one was purple-headed yogurt slinger. I've never heard of that one, but that's a great line. I mean, he, he goes through a whole bunch of, you know, penis tropes, um, which is funny. Um, and then, of course, that's a nice car on a teacher's salary that's a callback to a later one uh, and the dipsy do play in the hook and ladder we see those in practice um before he ultimately calls them back later on in the movie so a whole bunch of callbacks in this movie something that i noticed i think i was the producer trying to get in his way or getting his way into the movie uh forcing those um any other ones that you know i, I know i jumped over a bunch of parts in this movie i guess we should talk about the barbecue scene because that, that's a major one um, or, or Dan, perhaps if you've got anything else we need to hit on before we get further into this movie. I guess before you get to there, one of the, my observations was, it has a lot of dreams, doesn't he? 
He does. Lance does have a ton of dreams in this movie. He's a prophet. Uh, but how the women hang on his every word, that's just... Uh, oh, that's the, the, the daggone pep rally scene. Oh, my God. I was sleeping last night. Girls go crazy. And then it's like, I had a dream. They go crazy again. And then he says something, and they kind of get down. They go, oh. I was sad. And they go, oh. <laughs> yeah, the women are just draped all over this man from the moment. So, you know, another thing I noticed was, how many schools have a pep rally that's that massive? And... The students are that wound up by it. I mean, or, I, we had, or the fact that it's at nine o'clock in the morning. Did you notice that? I it's did. at nine a.m. Like the very first thing they do that day is a pep rally. I've never seen a nine a.m. pep rally. Cam, have you? No, I mean it was always after lunch. It was always, you know, there's probably a quarter of the students that are into it. Right? You're right. on the team. You're just sitting there behind everybody. You're not into it. And everybody else is like, yeah, this is just we're getting out of class, and then we're gonna we're gonna head out of here. We're gonna get on the buses. We're gonna roll. And Paul Walker has already dropped fake Southern accent. I thought that was hysterical. Like literally, he opens up with it, and it was like, ah, man, I don't know. That's not good. Let's not do that. And then he gets into his speech at the pep rally. Um, another thing, I I love going back and watching these old movies. I didn't notice it as much as in, in any given Sunday about the clothing. But holy crap, the blue jeans that Mox is wearing in this movie. My God, they are horrible. I mean, they are MC Hammer pants on steroids. These things are crazy. What does your note say, Dan? You got the note? Is that what you're saying? This is Mox's baggy jeans. Holy shit. Quarterback jersey. <laughs> Who, what quarterback ever wears a baggy jersey? Yeah, never, never. I mean, Sammy Sleeves, about the only one. But yeah, Mox's jeans. Holy smokes. Like, my God. Terrible, terrible. Um, in this movie, but hey, maybe that was the '90s. I know when I was in the '90s, I had the 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 two in one where you could have jean shorts and pants. They would unzip oh. below the knee. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, man. I was dripping in them things, dog. You out, you out there just hustling on on, on uh, you know recess, and you get a little sweaty. Hey, man. Time time to drop them pants into some jorts, baby. We out here rocking now. One oh man. One last thing from the pep rally. He gets up there, uh, Kilmer gets up there, and he's like, I've been coaching for 33, uh, 30 years. I've won two state titles <laughs> and 22 district championships. It's like, hold on, bro. You're out here flexing because you've won 22 district championships but only two state titles? What the hell did you do the other 20 years? My man, my man just doesn't know how to finish in the playoffs. I mean, he, he obviously really not. does not. I mean, he, he cares so much about winning the region, a.k.a. the district. But, hey, you, you get a top seed, you're a one seed, 23 years, or 22 years, right, going on his 23rd district title. And you've won two titles? That's a great point by Dan. SSL, you look like you had something? I mean, I, I'm on the same boat. I'm like, dude, what you you happy about these these district championships and these two state titles, but what did you do the other 20 years? <laughs> what, 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 are you, what are you on your high horse about? <laughs> What's up, Cam? Is it, I mean, this has got to be a Texas thing, right? You know, the state's so huge. You know, only what? They've got eight divisions, only eight teams in all of Texas can win state. So it's the district is the thing you care about. Because I know in Georgia, we didn't care. We won it like 15 years in a row, and, and nobody cared. We didn't even know when we won it. It was all about getting to the playoffs, winning state titles. That's all you talked about. Absolutely. I mean, maybe it is. I don't, I don't know that much about Texas football. I don't know how their districts and all that's, you know, situated. Um but yeah, maybe they just have like 
64 team playoffs. Maybe maybe that's what it is. Instead of like here in Georgia where it's like 16. What's up, Dan? So and then before you get to the cookout, you have that first game, right? Yeah. And obviously Lance is doing this thing, but a couple of things I noticed. One is the starting quarterback's dad talking shit to the backup quarterback's dad. Does that happen often? Especially if your son is supposed to be the golden child going to Florida State and the other kid doesn't even play, you're going to talk shit about uh, that. That caught me off guard. I was like, why would you do like you that damn insecure? They're going to talk shit to the backup quarterback's dad. And then the box throwing the ball to the referee off the bench, right? It's the first oh indication my God. that. All right, so it's, the, it's supposed to be the first indication that Mox is actually really, really talented. He just doesn't give a shit. But he throws the ball to the referee, and then they show the cut from behind him, and whoever is sitting there could not have possibly thrown that ball. It was probably <laughs> the only time in the movie where the editing was so bad, you're like, what the hell did I just watch? But so I, I, I actually – I know we're going to get into it when we get into Kevin Sandler, our, our category for best actor playing a, a sport. Um a lot of the throwing in this movie was done by stuntmen. Um, this is something that James Vanderbreek actually talked about with Peyton Manning on Peyton's Places, um, the ESPN show that he does. Uh, he had a, he had an episode with uh, you know Mox now, like as he is now, and he was asking him about some of these throws, and he's like, "Yeah, we actually had some stunt doubles in there because I can't quite really throw the football." But yeah, he chunks that thing like fifty yards from a seated position on the bench whilst reading a book inside of his playbook. Um, so, yeah, but a, a solid point out right there by Dan. Um, I also think it takes really, really long for us to realize, like the audience to realize that, oh, crap, Mox is like hooking up with Lance's sister. I didn't pick that up until the barbecue when she says, Dad, you're being an idiot. Like, Dad, we're, this is stupid. Like, what are we doing? Did it take anybody else, you know, show of hands, show of voices, Anybody else, did it take that long for you to realize that Mox was messing with Lance's sister? Yeah, I think the first time I went through it, yeah, I had no idea that that's who that was. I mean, I don't even think I made it through the barbecue um, the first time I watched it. I, I didn't pick that up until they were actually at the hospital. Um, or she was, yeah, when they were at the hospital with uh, Lance's injury that they were related. But I think that just goes to show how cool these guys are with each other, right? It, it, yeah. It's no like, oh, you're my competitor. I'm sleeping with your sister. It's, it's never brought up. It's just you're part of the family. Although while we're talking about families, can we talk about their dad? Oh, my uh, God. Harbor's, all, Mr. The, Harbor? all the dads. All the dads are just absolutely overblown. But go ahead. Talk about Harvard dad. I mean, he's abs like just his accent is just atrocious. Absolutely One of the most obnoxious, obnoxious people in the whole thing. Um, and, and to answer what Dan said, like that is kind of my whole takeaway from this movie is that everything that like is set, like everything is just turned up to eleven, right? Like that might not happen in in regular um, uh, regular football, but uh, you know it does happen a little bit. And anything we're going to do, we're going to turn it up to eleven, and that's that's the Texas thing. One hundred percent. I, I totally lost train of thought because Jamie hopped in here randomly, yeah. um, which is always good because I know he loves this movie to death. So feel free, Jamie. Anytime you want to unmute in any of these things we're talking about, feel free. Jamie Goodman of the Dogcast joining uh, Tailgate Tapes here. Maybe he's just a, an innocent bystander tonight, but knowing him, he can't go anywhere without you know giving his two cents. Um, but I, I thought it was not like noticeable to me. It's the second movie in a row that we've watched where head trauma is a major theme of the movie, 
right? We watched Any Given Sunday with Lawrence Taylor's character where it's like, yeah, he's about to die because his brain is so messed up. Um, and now we've got Billy Bob, of course, in this one as well. Um, so, yeah, I, I thought that to me was a classic. I mean, this is the 90s. Did it, did it really take that long for Will Smith to make a movie where people are like, yeah, okay, concussions are bad. And concussions aren't good. Apparently, in these movies, they knew. We got Billy Bob passing out in the middle of sex education. We got him walking around with a, a towel on his head. And we got Lawrence Taylor on any given Sunday being carted off, bleeding from his nose. I mean, head trauma, major theme in this movie. Dan, you got anything on that? Yeah, so one of the things I did notice is, so Billy Bob gets knocked out, right? He's laying on the ground. And Mox is out there to check on him? Like, cause is that standard <laughs> protocol that the backup quarterback is the person to check on the concussion? Uh, I, that, that was one of my takeaways on that. But, yeah, I mean, concussion protocol, not a thing in 1999, clearly. Yeah, not at all. Cam, thoughts on concussion protocol with old Billy Bob? Oh, yeah, I mean – the the did you I mean if you notice what did Mox say right the guy's like how many fingers am I holding up and he goes uh it's got to be true or false <laughs> yeah you know he, he's not gonna know that I mean so, so they already know this isn't the first time this has happened um so I, I true just, or false is he holding up fingers right. uh true? true he's good <laughs> he's good to go it's like my God poor old Billy Bob um I I do want to say. High school football stadiums in Texas, much, much bigger than what they're conveying here. I get that they, they do tell you that it's 3A football, but there are some 3A football stadiums in Texas that could probably seat 20,000 people. So I, I, and that was a, a major jumping off point to me. It's like, hey, if we're going to do the, the Texas high school football thing, let's do it like Friday Night Lights did it. Friday Night Lights blew it up to, to you know, 40, 50,000 seat stadiums because that's what Texas football is. Like, it means everything to these people uh, and more. Dan, you got anything else, SSL? Feel free to hop in here. I'm kind of running out of uh, show notes before we get into my final thoughts, before we get into categories. Oh, I've got three pages. We could go all night. Uh, one of the things that I did notice was painkillers, right? Painkillers was big a really time. big thing here. Uh, injections, painkillers. And then Darcy. Every school has a Darcy, right? I mean, the, the cheerleader who... She's willing to do whatever it takes to make sure. I, that I believe she's cleat chaser is the term, the the proper term here. A hundred percent, Darcy the cleat chaser. Trying to be polite tonight. I'm not trying to be make this an R-rated podcast too much. But um, the old guy at the high school football party. <laughs> oh God. Uh, I mean, I've been to a lot of parties, uh, and clearly, I stopped going to those parties once I was out of that age range. But is that a thing? He said class oh. of 1990, did he not? It is 100% a no, thing. It is 80-something. It was 80-something. It is a 100% a thing. Okay. There was, I'll, I'll tell you this. When we were going to high school parties, there was a, a girl whose older brother, he wasn't that old. This guy was balding and smoking cigarettes outside of the party. This dude was old, old in the movie. But yeah, it's 100% a thing where that like random 24, 25-year-old guy is definitely hanging around the high school parties, 100%. Cam, you look like you can confirm such a thing. Oh, absolutely. I mean, and it almost never goes away. Like even when you get into college, you've got the 30-year-olds coming back who's like, dude, just leave. Um, and I think Tweeter handled it perfectly. I mean, you've got the creep creeping around the party. Just smash them in the nuts and, and walk away. On film. Smash him in the nuts on film. Make him hold a pot over his head and then hit him in the nuts with a wiffle ball bat. That was, that was a perfect move by Tweeter right there. SSL, you got anything? Well, 
I, I kind of want to circle back to the whole Billy Bob and concussion thing. Because that really is the whole first act, first major theme in the movie that really stems the movie into the direction it mm-hmm. goes. And, you know, I, I kind of find it interesting that, you know, we... We we're clearly aware that CTE is a bad thing. We're clearly aware of that, but we don't give a crap enough for anybody to actually say something. Mox is the only person who's like, yeah. "Hey, man, you you okay? You good? Because I don't think you good." No, everybody else is like, "Oh, he's fine." Second second movie in a row where their trainer is just like a do boy for the coach, just like, "Yeah, we'll get everybody back onto the field." We had James Woods, a much better, uh, you know, Nolan Ryan type character in this movie throwing heat, but or at least in any given Sunday. The the trainer in this movie is much more of an innocent bystander, it seems. It seems he's just on the payroll. Um, but, Dan, you're, you're scouring those notes, baby. Let's fire it off. Let's get some talking points. What do you got? Well, I mean, there's just a lot. The, the party scene is great. With the, the initial party scene, like you're talking about, that happened. And then the uh, the sex on the dryer. I mean, come on. Sex on the dryer. Uh, what weird quote by Darcy, by the way. Let the dryer do the work. It's like... I, <laughs> I, 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 maybe. I, I get I get that some dryers rumble. I get that it's the late 90s, so no telling how old that dryer is. But let the dryer do the work, and you're talking to, I mean, an absolute smoke show in Paul Walker. I'm pretty sure that guy knows what he's doing. I mean, come on now. Uh, I think I, one of the misconceptions, though, is I think Lance is actually a good kid. I don't think he's – I think he's actually a clean-cut kid. That's the impression that I get in – you know, I because he even said, "Baby, I, I don't know if I could do it here. There's too many people here." And she's like, "He's the hoe. He's not." <laughs> yeah, I think it's like I mean, I think it's implied in that scene that that is his first time, you know, hooking up in the laundry room at a high school party, um, which more power to him. Uh, I think he actually mentions like going somewhere nicer, and she's like, "What's nicer than on top of the dryer?" Like, don't worry, we got this. We'll we'll take care of this. Let the dryer do the work, baby. It's like, good lord, Darcy throwing heat from the top, absolutely throwing you, heat. And then you have Billy Bob come in and start puking in the washer. A, a great scene. Oh. What I'm, the 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 problem I'm having with this movie in the in the brief overview, a lot of the best parts of this movie fall under these categories. Like, there's a whole bunch of one-liners in this movie. We might spend 20 minutes on the Cam Newton section of this podcast. Cam, I think I saw your hand up. What's up, buddy? Uh. Well, I mean, I guess you, I guess that does kind of fit into a thing, but uh, just one of my favorite parts of the whole movie, uh, Mox's little brother is just absolutely, absolutely wild, absolutely a goat in this movie. He is goaded in this movie. I think we see him as uh, as Assalamu alaikum as a as a Muslim, right? We see him starting his own clan. We see him being a Jesus freak. We see him at one point praying over the meat at the barbecue. That was epic. It, with the sunglasses on, too. Uh, meanwhile, his dad is trying to talk to the other quarterback dad about how his son's healthy and can't wait to get onto the football field. He's over there blessing the meat. And then the mom, the mom, my God. Uh, uh, Mox's mom is so supportive about everything. You know, he's really religious. And she's absolutely freaking hammered the entire movie. Mox's mom drunk from sunup to sundown. I guess that's just the way they do it out there in these podunk towns in Texas. Yeah, I, I want to. Th- I think the little brother stuff too with the. Religion, I mean, I think it's a it's a not so subtle way to remind everybody that you know for him he's 
looking and trying to find his religion. I mean, his dad even tells him, no more religion. You're going to grow up and play football. Yeah, that is the religion, religion of this town. Yeah. yeah. I, I, and it's not subtle, but I, I think it's pretty great. Um, the, the, dad's, the dad's a classic high school football dad in Texas. Like, he is Tim McGraw in Friday Night Lights. Like, and, and we'll get into this a little bit later. I got a hot take on that. But, yeah, it, it, what's up, Dan? Do you got anything else? Yeah, so we have to talk about the first practice scene, okay? So that, that's it's a very important part of the movie. We were going to gloss over But the first part of practice, wrapping up the uh, the starters portion, and he says, all right, dummy O's, get dummy O, get your dummy quarterback, get your dummies down there in the mud for a scrimmage, da-da-da. <laughs> and he lines up in the oopie okay? So not only is he smart, and they make they make you know, they make sure that you know that, that uh, Mox is smart, okay? But yeah. he's innovative. Nobody is running the spread offense in 1999, not in high school football. And he comes out with three wide to the left and one to the right, calls it the oop-de-oop. He says Mississippi Valley State is scoring 40 points a game with his offense. The, <laughs> the damn high school coach doesn't even know what the hell he's trying to do. Okay? No, he's the, he's so, the stick-to-the-script, do-what-you're-told coach. Yeah, for sure. So this is the first point of the movie where they show you not only does he have talent, you saw that with the throw, but he's smart and he understands the game. And he actually researches the game. And he's trying to be innovative and he wants to move to the next level. So before the very first play that he actually gets in and throws the, the bomb, right? And he hits mm-hmm. Tweeter on that on that skinny post down the middle of the field for the big play. And everybody's like, where the hell did he come from, right? Mm-hmm. And they go immediately to the trope, right? When he comes in, they're like, oh, here comes the backup quarterback. He, he picks Lynn Season's out of over. Yeah. Oh, oh God! They're just—they just rip. They don't know a damn thing about them, okay? Because they don't scout high school practices. They don't scout little league, so you don't have a five-star far five-star freshman quarterback. None of that. They don't have any idea who this guy is. He comes in and throws the ball, but they're trying to show you before that ever happens. The kid can fucking play. Yeah. But he's just behind a god. So. And, and speaking uh, of speaking of innovation, at the end of the movie, he talks about going no huddle, and they end up going no huddle. SSL, what do you got? And then we'll go to Cam. Well, I think it's interesting too that you bring up that everybody is like, well, we ha- he has they have no idea who he is. Apparently, neither does his coach, because yeah. his coach is one of the first to doubt him too, which I think is interesting. Yeah, I think the the coach is just so in love with Lance. I mean, even after the first game, he's he's sitting out there at the bar, and he tells the cop and 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 the guy that's just randomly with the cop who doesn't have kid a kid on the team. It appears, um, is just the random hanger on. That you know, Lance or uh, Mox doesn't have anything that Lance has. Uh, but what's up, Cam? Oh, I, I was gonna say. Uh, speaking of the the practice thing and the time, what the SSL said. I mean, it's pretty obvious that like he knows Mox has it. He just doesn't like Mox, and he doesn't like because yeah. he doesn't like Mox's dad. I mean, you know, th- he makes the comment that his dad was a coward. He was a weakling, and it, it just goes to show you, you know, kind of how toxic those long like somebody with power in a community for that long goes but i was gonna say at practice did y'all have people out watching y'all's practice i mean we definitely did mm-hmm. parents but uh they weren't crazy like that i mean yeah. they were just it was touch and go i mean some parents were allowed out there i mean some parents would show up i mean we practiced at three o'clock in the afternoon so unless you were just uh you know night worker or whatever you weren't really getting out of practice um but i got i got a couple of things we have to touch on before we get in and we're, and we're probably gonna spend some time on all these um, I, I'll be honest, I, Billy Bob, great character, great, great character. I'll be, I mean, hilarious, all of his scenes. Great. 
That dude would be absolutely trash at football. He's like five foot nine. He's a fire hydrant. He's like three hundred and five pounds. He's completely overweight. Can barely get into a stance. And they paint him like he's daggum uh, Quentin Nelson or something. It's like what is going on here? That to me, I mean, I get it. Great character, Billy Bob would not even play on the JV squad at, at a Texas school. I mean, Billy Bob would be a trash football player. Thoughts on old Billy Bob, guys? What, what, what do we got there? I mean, as somebody who played, you know, right guard, the same position he played, I mean, there, there's no way you could play guard as that. I mean, we uh, – like back in the day, like when you would go to camp, uh, you'd have guys that look like that, and they were never the starters on their team. Now, they suck to practice against because they're just so heavy. You can't yeah. move them, right? Yeah. So you'd see them as nose guards and stuff like that. But as soon – to the first or second drive, I mean, they're so winded, they're just pushing them around. And oxygen – he's got an oxygen mask on the sidelines. Yeah. I mean, are they carrying those to high school stadiums, oxygen masks? In, in Texas, probably. Also, oxygen, not really going to help you with concussions, honestly. I mean, it's, it's going to help you breathe, right. but not going to clear up whatever you got going on in your brain. Um, other thing I got for you, and we would be absolutely remiss if we went through this without talking about it. Did Rush Probst just, like, model his entire adulthood on the character of Bud Kilmer? I mean, is, is that what it was? What's up, Dan? It's the other way around. Other way around. You think this, this is the movie version of, of, of Rush Probst? All right, so I had my take last week, and it was a hot take, right? Yeah. This is not a hot take. You have to understand what time we're in. We're in 1999. This movie was produced by MTV. At the very same time, MTV had a show on called Two-A-Days, who rushed Probst was the head coach of that Hoover football team. He was the most dominant person in a full, small football town. When they made this movie, that is who they used for Bud Kilmer. I, I think your timeline's a little off. I, I remember Two-A-Days being like, yeah, mid-2000s, late-2000s. But, yeah, I mean... Maybe. I think so. Yeah, I mean, we can look it up, but I think two days was like 06 to 09 type deal. I mean, we're talking about uh, what's his name? Uh, Dag, I mean, he, he had the Hoover do. I mean, we're talking about the Hoover Alabama squad out there with the Bucks. I mean, that, that's that's a different era um, and about a decade and a half after this movie. But yeah, Rush Probes. I mean, we got everything from, from uh, when it comes to Bud Kilmer. We got blackmailing, check for Rush Probes, 100%. A general lack of concern for your players' well being, 100%, check. Rush Probes got that going on. A winning at all costs method, 100%, check. Rush Probes got that going on. Um, and just absolutely being willing to choke your own players or even headbutt your own players with Rush Probes. 100%. Got that going on. Bud Kilmer, Rush Probst, Spider-Man meme. 1,000%. That's what it is going on right here. Um, so, yeah, absolutely. There, there are twins. I mean, I, I really do think Rush Probst watched this movie and was like, you know what? 22 division titles. I, th I think I'll take that. I mean, honestly, I, th I think that's a good life. What do you got, Cam? Uh, as somebody with a personal, personal vendetta against Rush Probst, I have to say it's absolutely accurate. And, and to be on the other side of the field of a from a coach like that, and you know it as a player, is just it's one of the weirdest feelings in the world because you, you've got a program that's at the same level, that is doing the same things, but your just coaches are just completely different. And all you you just empathize with the guys on that sideline once you see it in person. It, it's funny to talk about now and it, I, you know, you hate it for them later, but at the time it was just insane to see. Yep. 
All right, the I got two more things before we move into the categories that have to be talked about. One of which is this the best use of ready whip in the history of cinema? <laughs> I was wondering if we were ever gonna get to that. Is it? I, I think it is. I think this is the best use of ready whip and cherries for that matter to connote nipples. The best use of ready whip in the history of cinema has to be. I'm gonna let SSL take that one. You want me to say all that? For those of you, I mean, I, if you if you haven't seen the movie, if you have seen the movie, it's impossible to not know what we're talking about. But if you haven't seen the movie, just go watch it for this scene alone. Dan, what do you have on this? Yeah, so if you're talking about movies that were released in the theaters, it has to be, right? I mean, yeah. I'm, sure, I'm sure somebody's seen something better, but... I, Dude, the first time you saw that, like I saw this movie in the movie theater. Oh, okay? dude, and they did they shot it perfectly through the gun case. Oh, cool. Like through the gun yeah. case, you see the, the the reflection off the glass. Holy smokes, literally. I saw it opening weekend, so nobody spoiled it for me. And then I remember I was with a bunch of guys, uh, buddies of mine, and when she comes walking around the corner, it, it was like a damn. What was the what was the theater's reaction? Was it a standing applause? Was it a standing ovation from the from the <laughs> it theater? Went nuts. That that was pro- there's two things that I can remember uh, in my lifetime being in the theater where I was just like oh shit and everybody else had the same reaction and that was 100 percent one of them people went nuts. I mean yeah I prep I prep my wife with it I said this is every high school boy's favorite scene in the whole movie. <laughs> the da- damn damn the high school scene. boys I mean shit <laughs> <laughs> god damn. You got what are you college, talking about? You got middle age. Hell, even there's some grandpas out there who are happy about that one. I told my wife was over. My wife was watching it before we got on here. She was like, she left midway through the movie today. She was like, you know what? Turn that movie back on. I was kind of interested. I was like, all right. She was over there texting during the scene. I was like, hey, uh, you you might want to put your phone down. And uh, yeah, yeah. Ready whip, ready whip. Strong plus in the markets after this. The funniest part about that whole scene was my wife asked me, she's like, what movie are you doing? I said, Varsity Blues. She goes, oh, that's the whipped cream bikini movie, right? That's the only thing she remembered about this movie. She didn't remember who was in it or anything like that. She said, it's a whipped bikini movie, right? So, yep. so confirmed. Best use of ready whip in the history of cinema. Now, Dan, you had a hot take last week, and it was honestly a little too hot for me. But I, I, I've got a hot take for you this week. Okay. Give it to me. Friday Night Lights completely stole this movie. They, they completely stole this movie, okay? Texas high school football, kind of a, an overbearing coach, right? Star quarterback gets hurt. Secondary quarterback has to get in there, okay? You know, the, 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 the crazy dad, the, the drunk dad, right? We had the drunk dad mixed in there too. Hot girls chasing ass, all right, all over it. Parties out the wazoo. Cops not doing anything. And then there's even a drive-in Sonic version of everything, right? The, Siner, the Sonic drive-in and do, or dives and dodge. There's, there's all of it. The entire movie of Friday Night Lights is a straight-up ripoff of Varsity Blues. Now, I understand that Nicholas Sparks may or may not have written a book. Now, Varsity Blues probably ripped off the book, but Friday Night Lights, the movie coming after this, is rather an, an indictment on the directors of Friday Night Lights because they stole the whole damn movie. Cam, any arguments I, here? I, I won't say an argument, but I, I do have one quick question before I dive into my point because I want to see what you guys think. Was it, does this represent anything like your high school experience at all? 
Um, cause mine was the complete opposite. Yeah. We, I went we to a sing, I went to a single a private school. So nah, we wasn't out, you know, just getting shit housed on a Friday night after a win. No, we were not. Yeah. So like, I mean, I went to a, the, one of the biggest schools in the state, very, very successful, whatever, but the actual, like the way the town treated us, we weren't special. Nobody really liked us. Nobody cared. Um, and so I, I, I don't know that this is maybe out in Texas, this is the way things are, but I think more than that, I think this is like a, a, a dream for people who want to talk about football, right? It's, it's a, the romantic ideal of football. So instead of stealing from Friday night lights, they're both drawing on from the idea of like what people think it should be, if that makes sense, instead of being accurate. Absolutely. Dan, any, uh, any, uh, rebuttals to my claim that Friday night lights stole this movie? Well, I mean, like you said, it was based off a, bur- a book and Peter Berg directed Friday night lights and he's actually a really good guy. And, and they don't do the quarterback thing. Cause remember, uh, yeah, but they do the booby miles got hurt. And yeah, then they yeah, do yeah, the, yeah. they do the, you know, your college, your college life is dependent upon your success here. Like they do all the same, you know, mechanisms of the movie. They do, and, and you're right, and it's it's a, a little bit different, but at the same time, you're right. They they basically it's it's the formula. It's one of the things I was going to say about this movie is the formula for this movie works, right? Yeah, you have a bunch of guys, buddies, overcoming. You have it's it's a, this is an ABC movie. There there's no suspense. You have a villain. You have uh, you have a hero, and you have very direct. And there's not really gray area in this movie at all. It's just it's. It is a very easy plot to steal, and so you, you're yeah. probably right. You're probably right. All right, that's that's my hot take. Anything else before we get into categories, gentlemen? Because we got a lot to hit on. I do. Please. Yes, come on, Dan. Twitter is the best fucking character in the history. Bro, of cinema. see, we're gonna get to him. We're gonna. I promise you. We. I. I do. We have an entire category dedicated right. to him. And it is Nolan Ryan. I, if you've got any other suggestions for Nolan Ryan, don't even bring them to me. Because Twitter is throwing fucking smoke from the moment he gets onto the screen in this movie. Literally, his opening line is one of the best one-liners in this movie. So, trust me. We're going to talk about Twitter. We're going to talk about Twitter enough. Um, matter of fact, we'll go out of order and we'll just go ahead and get to Twitter right now um, with all of his Cam Newton lines. We'll, we'll do Cam Newton right now, guys. Okay, This is best one-liner um, in this movie um and honestly after this movie i think we have we we really need to have serious consideration of just changing the name of this category to charlie tweeter because he's got a bunch of them guys and again the very first opening line of this dude you get introduced to him in this movie with this line and he says and i quote she fell out of the suck your dick tree and hit every branch on the way down what my man is throwing smoke, and then he's got another one. He steals the cop car, and as he's going, he goes, I'm going to go to jail. Like he, That's all he says, I'm going to go to jail. And then he's got another one where he's at practice, and he pulls his pants out and looks at his penis and goes, what the fuck is that? Because he's got, got something growing on his, on his you know, base of his Johnson because he's probably got some type of STD. Tweeter is throwing absolute fucking smoke in this entire movie yes i am here for you dan if you want to go through the tweeter explanations go for it because my man stole this movie and you know what it's an hour and 40 minutes long and the last 25 minutes tweeter is not in it he they they just stopped going to him and it's like hey bro my man's the best iso guy y'all got and y'all stop giving him the ball in the middle of the fourth quarter i mean it's it's absolutely crazy what do you got dan 
bitches are nothing but panty droppers. Yeah. I mean, and he, he's definitely talking about some date rape drugs there. I mean, he, he's, he's talking, talking about feeding them narcotics and, and making them making their panties drop. Yeah, stuff that wouldn't hold up. But yeah, he's throwing smoke. Can't focus since I got Miss Davis's ass. <laughs> I <laughs> oh man, I can't focus. I got Miss Davis's ass bouncing up, and then he starts talking about her performance. She's like, he goes, "It was topical. It was erotic. Nine and a half out of ten. I still got wood." <laughs> ten. Yeah. Ten. Ten. A freaking ten. ten. <laughs> Tweeter, man. Tweeter wins this movie again. The the opening line of him. I'm it's something I've never heard of in my life. She fell out of the dick sucker tree and hit every limb on the way down. My God, son. And he's like five foot ten. He's Julian Edelman before Julian Edelman, honestly. I mean, swear to God. He's Julian Edelman before Julian Edelman. I mean, we heard about Julian Edelman testing positive for, you know, party drugs, if you will, after the Kentucky Derby. Tweeter would so be doing that. Um, but yeah, Tweeter's throwing smoke in this movie. Um, any other great one liners that didn't come from Tweeter that you guys got on while we're here? Cam, we'll go to you. Miss Davis, will you go to prom with me? Okay. Yeah, that's a great one. Miss <laughs> Davis, will you go to prom with me from uh, Billy Bob? It's hilarious. I've got another Bill- Billy Bob one, and it's one of the funniest ones. I'm sure you guys all have this on your notes. They scanned my cat. That 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 one's hilarious. He's like, Mox, they won't let me play, man. They scanned my cat. Everything's good. Everything's good. We're good to go. And Mox is like, you mean you got a cat scan? He's like, yeah, yeah, they scanned my cat. <laughs> Oh, his other... reply of, you've got a human brain, and oh, it yeah. works? <laughs> <laughs> SSL, any one-liners that you got, buddy? Twitter, you think you'll enjoy prison? <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? Date rape drugs. That is a funny one-liner for sure. Uh, Dan, what do you got? You know, the greatest part about this movie is the one-liners, right? We all agree on that, and we're having a great time laughing. How many times did you use lines from this movie in your everyday life? I mean, you said you guys didn't see it front and back, but it, you know you have to understand. I was a freshman in college when this came out, so we use this shit all the time. You have to be the smartest damn, or you have to be the dumbest damn smart kid I've ever met. Mm-hmm. I, I've used that in practice when I'm coaching. I've said I'm like, you've got to be the damn dumbest smart kid I've ever met. I mean, there's so many lines from this movie, but I, you guys, you guys picked the funny lines, and, and I, I did too. I had all those funny lines written down, but the one. Uh, line that I really like uh, and I've lost it hold on is playing football at West Canaan may have been the opportunity of your life but I don't want your life yeah that's that it wasn't that funny it wasn't funny but that shit cut deep right there because there are a whole bunch of dads out here trying to live their life through their kids I see it in my line of profession all the time all the time I see it everywhere I go where there are kids that are trying to do their best and dad is sub- subsequently trying to live his life and live his dreams through his kids. And when Mox hits his dad with that, it definitely shuts the movie down where it's like, okay, yes, you are 100% right. That is exactly what's going on. And it, and it had been going on the entire movie. Um, so, yeah, that, that's, a, that's a great line right there. I've got another one that was uh, on the funnier side of things. Um, it's after Tweeter steals the cop car and they're at the bar. And the cop looks at his buddy and goes, they pulled their whiners out and pressed them up against the glass at the Alano Club. <laughs> <laughs> they're whiners. <laughs> for the musical. 
Yeah. It, they, they was the girls were practicing the musical for the Christmas party, <laughs> and then the guy's <laughs> drinking his beer. First of all, he dumps salt in his beer, which is something that I guess they do out there in Texas. I haven't really seen well, that. So you don't have to pee. Okay, well, whatever. I mean, okay, that's fine. Wow. But it, and he repeats it in the same tone. He goes, "They pulled what? their they pulled their whiners out at the Alano Club." <laughs> oh, no, that ain't, oh, my boy's too much for you to handle. <laughs> oh no, coach. They just oh kids. man, they's just kids, man. Back in my day, we wasn't stealing cop cars. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, is that a Mount Me hat? Oh. oh. <laughs> <laughs> Let me, so his jokes always hit. When you try to like, that doesn't work in real life, right? Like, no. He's like, well, you do get to wear those cute Mount Me hats, and the cop goes, Mount Me. I'm mean, like, maybe on. after a couple of beers. <laughs> I've never worked. For yeah, me. no, no one's for- ever batted a thousand except for Charlie Tweeter. That's what I'm saying. We honestly. Like I, I'll put it up to the audience. If if the audience thinks we should completely rename the Cam Newton segment, which is our segment for best one liners, to the Charlie Tweeter Award, I'm more than capable of doing that. I'm more than comfortable doing that. I know here on the show we're good with that. Uh, it's absolutely hysterical everything he says um, in this movie, and and we can just skip over Nolan Ryan because he wins, right? Anybody else think that anybody in this movie is throwing near as much smoke as Charlie Tweeter? I'm getting a whole bunch of no nods from everybody so we've got two of our categories done cam newton and nolan ryan let's go all the way back to the top which is coach speak now this speaks for itself obviously these are lines that are you know a little bit tired from the coach in the sense like this prime example quote never show weakness only pain that only pain only it's only pain that matters or the only pain that matters is the pain you inflict on your opponents sorry i absolutely butchered that um but yeah never show weakness only pain that matters is the pain you inflict on your opponents this coach is i mean bud kilmer's screaming coach speak the entire movie i mean every quote he's ever got is nothing but tired coach speak cam we'll go to you first what do you got for coach speak uh, um i got the it means nothing uh speech that he gives yeah. um where he, t- he tells the team you know everything you've done before from, from this point on it means nothing and I mean, two days in the summer the nothing <laughs> So we always got that uh, and from the, the perspective of all the games you've won, for, you know, they don't mean anything, right? All the good stuff you've done, you've got to earn it each week. I mean, and that was just standard playoff every week during the playoffs. You know, you win a game, it means nothing. On to the next one. I mean, that's the save of philosophy. Absolutely. SSL, you got any coach speak for us? I mean, that just continues on further with that because that whole entire monologue he gives, there's nothing but coach speak. But yeah, there's a yeah, the, 48 the, years. the 48 minutes, the next 48 minutes are the for the next 48 years of your life. That is absolutely coach speak. Dan, coach speak, what do you got? Uh, you guys took both of mine. I mean, I, I vividly remember uh, our football coach, Coach Maloof, giving us basically you know waking up at six o'clock or five o'clock in the morning coming out here all summer long none of that stuff matters you know this is what matters is right now and and uh, he didn't do the he didn't specifically say next 48 minutes for the 48 years of your life but he said these are the things that you're going to be talking about when you're old men 
Yeah, I mean, we've we've 100 and that part is true. I talk a it lot about true. high school football, um, especially if you didn't play in college, if all you've got left is high school football. But even then, I talk more about Camp throws his hands up because he's one of those guys. Yes, I did play college ball. Sorry. Um, but no, uh, I still talk more. I still talk more about my high school ball than I even did in uh, pro ball. The first time Mox gets on the field, he uh, pro ball, my bad, college ball. He, slap, he slaps him on the butt and he goes, stay focused and don't worry, son. I'm behind you. I mean, that's coach speak to a fucking T. It don't get no more coach speak than that right there. There's also another. It, it could have fit in the Cam Newton category because to me it was funny. It was the only funny line Kilmer says the entire movie. He goes, your daddy was a no-talent pussy, but at least he listened. That was a great whiner right there for him. Uh, but that was coach speak as well. Um, but the best coach speak of this entire movie is Mox at the end. And it's actual legitimate coach speak. It got me a little riled up when when he goes, you know, he's I, I can't remember. It's a, it's a quite a long monologue, but he basically says, "To hell with the next forty eight minutes for the next forty eight years of your life. We have the next twenty four minutes to play like gods to become heroes." That, that kind of made my that kind of made me stand up just a little bit. If you know what I mean? I mean that 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 boy was speaking the truth right there in that halftime speech. Dan, you got anything else? No, I'm good. Gotcha. We'll move on to Team Wolf. And honestly, it, it was filmed um, kind of similar in the sense to any given Sunday where they don't really allow you to see how bad the actual guys are at playing football. It's a lot of close-up shots, a lot of solo shots. Um, but it's fitting that we watch this after any given Sunday because, my God, the wide receivers are horrible in this movie. The any given Sunday, the wide receivers were great. They were running some good routes. We talked about it. Hell, T.O. was even in one of these guys. Um, actually, our Kevin Sandler award went to a wide receiver in the last movie. Dude, these wide receivers are god-awful. Now, it's a bunch of Kyles and Tylers running routes and stuff and, and Tweeter running routes and stuff. But, holy shit, some bad, bad routes. Uh, Cam, what do you got for Team Wolf before we hit uh, Dan and then go to SSL? I have to say, I mean, my, my least favorite sports part of this movie is the man Billy Bob letting down the side. I mean, he's getting the chance to have a big man touchdown, yeah. and he's out here complaining about it. You ever heard of a big man complaining about touching the ball? Zero percent chance. Zero percent chance. And he also he, he says it both. He's like, is this that play where I go wandering around like I don't know what I'm doing? I don't think that man knows what he's doing. Period. At any point in this movie, he's just out there hitting folks. Dan, Teen Wolf, what do you got? Well, give it to the SSL because mine's going to take a second. Okay, okay. SSL, Teen Wolf, what do you got? Mine's got to be that whole last scene. As dramatic and as, you know, unifying, woohoo, this is the end, woohoo, we've done great, woohoo, we've won. That's not how that would work. Let's be real. That's just not how that would work. I mean, the guy couldn't even hold on to the ball when you tried to practice it one time. Yeah. You practiced it one time. You didn't try to practice it again after that. Dan, did he steal yours? No. He, he, um, I thought he was going to, and he didn't, and I'm happy he didn't. Okay, so for the first hour and 25 minutes of this movie, it was super tight. Everything made sense. I mean, there's a couple of nitpicks we, that we'll get to, Okay. The worst sports thing about this entire thing where the movie completely fell apart was the team revolts yeah. and kicks the coach out of yeah. the locker room. There's no other fucking coaches on the coaching <laughs> staff. Not, <laughs> one. Uh, oh. not a single one. Not a not single one. Not one. Sorry. So there's not one. They walk out of the locker room. The referees 
ever asked, where the fuck are your coaches? <laughs> yeah. hey, oh, oh, now we got Lance Harbor calling timeouts on the sideline? Okay, so that's it's completely unrealistic, not even possible, but we're just going to flow with it. That's not my worst part. <laughs> oh, God. We're all of a sudden going to change the fucking offense that we've never ran. He's going to call the plays from the line that the players have no idea what the fuck he's calling because it doesn't exist until this very moment. It never existed. So we're going to start running a college spread offense that we've never practiced ever, and I'm going to do it no huddle. Yeah, I was line. about to say out of the no let's huddle. Go. Yeah, Let's go. And let's go win a district title. I love it. I love it. I'm here for it. Teen Wolf, what do you got, Cam? I mean, okay, so I thought I was crazy. I'm glad you mentioned this, right? I've kind of got a conspiracy theory about this whole movie. What's going on? We don't see it. What's behind the scenes? I think Harbor, Paul Walker, has been setting us up from the start, right? So he goes on, and in the end of the movie, they say he's a great coach, right? He goes on. He finds his love of coaching. He's a great coach. I think he was a coach all along. I think he set this up to fail because if you go back to the very first practice, when he brings in the twos, all Mox does is yell shift and they get in the oop to you. Right. Mm, and the insertion. second string quarterback in out there getting them, you know, lined up. It's all Harper. He, he set this up from the get go. I, I think he wanted that job. You're calling insertion. I like that. I like that overruling from the inside. That That's some good stuff right there um, from team Wolf. Um, I, I did think overall they, they really did a good job of limiting the actual game footage. Like like I said from the start, there's very little actual football being played um, in this movie, and that's by design. They, they don't want you to know how poorly uh, poor uh, football players these actors are. Um, so, yeah, any, any other Teen Wolf scenarios that we've got before we get into Kevin Sandler and then Ball Braggart? Nope. Looks like we're I good. Got one, I got one. Oh, okay, what's up? What's I up, SSL? And completely random side note, but um, Mox going and just throwing the football out of bounds and hitting somebody in the face with it, hitting a mascot in the face with it. Yeah, like, you'd, you'd get a penalty for that. I don't know if you'd get a penalty for it, but you would definitely not clock the football like that. And we'll talk about that, I'm sure, in Ball Braggart. I mean, that's, that's one of my, like, come on, dude. You're clocking the ball. You just wasted four seconds throwing the damn thing out of bounds. Um, just so we could get a call back. That's, that's literally the only purpose of the, the the part right there in that movie. They want you to know to have that shot of the dad going laughing and then looking down in his own nose and going, oh, shit, like I got hit in the nose too. Ha, 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 wink, wink, call back. Um, Kevin Sandler, for those who don't know, this is our cat. And I know I've done a bad job, excuse me, explaining categories here tonight, but sorry, go back and listen to the last episode. We went through a full breakdown of them that's that's my that's my way of incentivizing you to watch and listen to the latest episode um kevin sandler this is our category that goes to the best actor um playing a sport and honestly i don't think there's any doubt here it's wendell it's the running back it's the only player in my opinion that actually looks like he knows what the hell he's doing um like i told you with uh the the quarterback and mox they they, they were all stunt throwers um, even Paul Walker, RIP, doesn't look great throwing the football. Whereas Wendell, the the running back, I mean, he's bona fide. He looks like a legitimate athlete. What's up, Cam? Um, he should. He played for the Chiefs. Well, there you go. Oh, <laughs> Dan with the double middle fingers calling it out. So we that that means we have to completely remove him from the category, right? Like we did Lawrence Taylor, right, Dan? Yeah, that's. I just I didn't even because that was my first thought too. So I looked him up. So his name is Aleel Swinton. He was a college All-American and running back for the Kansas City Chiefs whose career came short when he tore his hamstring, which is exactly what he does in the movie. 
You know what? That wow. you know what? I, I'm going to take a second to pat my own self on the back. That's a scout being a scout right there. <laughs> that's, that's a scout being a scout, man. I can't help it. Scout's going to scout. I mean, shit. Um, nailed it. Nailed it. I mean, right on the right on the head. Didn't nail the research of the character. That's on me. But scout's going to scout. So if we were to remove him, who even wins the category? Like, who who is the best actor playing a sport in this movie? Because they're all awful. What's up, Dan? They have a fullback that absolutely fucking destroys people the entire movie. <laughs> you would be watching that. I'm looking for him the whole time. My my guy, fullback. And first of all, we don't even run I formation anymore. But this guy's running I formation, and he is putting holes that Brooks's ass could run through. Damn, and this guy is delivering knockout blows after knockout blows. And I, that that was the one I circled him. I'm like, I have no idea who this guy is. My guy is out, but he's probably a real football player too. So maybe he's ineligible. What's up, Cam? He's also scoring all the touchdowns too. Yeah, because yeah, Bud which, Kilmer's a racist. Yeah, which yeah. is why. Oh, so we didn't even cover that. And I, like I said, I had six pages worth of notes, and I knew I wasn't going to get to any. I of mean, them. it's an hour and ten minute podcast at most, and you came in here with six pages. I love the enthusiasm, but goddamn, dwindle it down a little bit, Dan. All right, so now when we go back to The Express, which I'm sure we'll watch that movie at some point. Yes, right? we will. They, they, they would not allow him to score touchdowns in the game because he couldn't. a black guy couldn't score in, in that environment or whatever, okay? So, like, we get that. That is that time. We get all that. But you're talking about in the late 90s, a coach is not going to let a black running back score touchdowns, but he gives them all the yards. So he's like, I went for 1,500 yards, but only had, like, four touchdowns because I broke them all for over 40 yards. Three. It's just... Uh, three. It, it's yeah. just. Uh, uh, You're calling right. bullshit, yeah. huh? I'm calling bullshit. I mean, I wouldn't put anything past Rush. Pro- I mean, Bud Kilmer. I wouldn't put anything <laughs> past that man. I Fair. wouldn't. I wouldn't at all. Cam, you got anything before we move on? Yeah. What about the lax recruiting job from Texas A&M and Texas? Yeah. You know, they're not even. They won't even come down. He says, "Oh, well, he won't call him." Man, he shouldn't be. They yeah. should know. I mean, I guess it's before huddle and tape and all that, but still, <laughs> come on, guys. No wonder the Longhorns are down. Yeah, settle for grambling. I mean, come on. I mean, it's, good school, but. It's a really good school. A program that got shut down, but, yeah, it's a, it's a good school um, and, a, and a historic HBCU program. So, I'm sure he lit it up at grambling and actually got to score touchdowns. Loved the uh, the mocks going to the audible late in the movie to get him a score. Um, that, that was, that was, that was good stuff. And then, um, I think, I think Kilmer goes with the, uh, the one liner of keep it up smart ass or says something like that. Keep it up shithead. I think is what he goes with. Keep smiling asshole. Yeah, that's what it was. Keep smiling asshole. All right. On to ball braggart. Um, this is where we really, really get into the weeds of nitpicking the, the sport in and of itself. Um, Dan, we can start with you. Uh, what you got? So one of the things that I noticed very early on was on the, the deep pass to Tweeter, right? That was, what, a 50, 60-yard pass? Yeah, it's supposed to be. What happens on a first down in high school football? Clock stops. So why are they racing up the line to stop the clock? It's a good point. It's a very good then, point. That's, that right like, there, audience, is what ball braggart's all about right there. Only a dickhead would notice that. <laughs> well, I got, I got an even bigger dickhead one for you. Okay, let's go. Why the fuck are we returning kicks in a high school football game out of the end zone? Ah, maybe. Actually, in Texas, I think you can. 
I think that's a GHSA rule. Okay, so I, I get you there. But, yeah, in, in Georgia, as soon as it goes into the end zone, whistle's blown, ball's dead. I've got one for you. It's not really a ball bragger, but more of a medical bragger. So I'm not stealing one from you, Dan. I know you got a bunch of these. Um, in the last game, Wendell clearly tears his hamstring. Um, I, I, I don't know what in the hell a quarter zone shot's going to do for a muscle tear. I, it's not going to do anything for it. It's for ligament and bone damage. It has nothing to do with muscles. So, yeah, uh, ball braggart, medical braggart, whatever you want to call it, as an experienced get some shit shot up guy, that you, you ain't going to do nothing for a muscle tear. You can't do anything for that. Now, even a muscle relaxer is not going to do anything like that because the, the, the damn muscle's torn. So, any, anybody else with ball braggarts? I got one more. Cam, Cam, we'll go to you, and then we'll wrap it up with Dan on ball braggart. All right, um, so the play where uh, Paul Walker gets hurt, uh, you know, Billy Bob falls over. Yeah, he gets he hit in the midsection. before the ball snap. Yeah. It's a false start. Dead ball, he should never get hurt. Facts. And my, my other thing was, I mean, the, the guy hits him right in the stomach. Like, how do you tear every ligament in your knee when you get hit in the stomach straight forward? Like, I don't know how that happens. I mean, you might tear an yep. ass bone, but like, like break your ass bone or something like that, but tearing your entire knee up is like come on dude like what the hell's going on there that's that's a little bit much for me dan let's wrap up ball bragger with you brother uh it's a national federation rule you're not allowed to hurdle somebody and they do that multiple times wendell hurdles people you're not allowed to hurdle Mm-mm. i'm calling ball fugazi kick. on that yeah, ball Tell Sean Marino. yeah but well you can in high you can in college and in the nfl but in high school you can't it's like the even a couple of years ago uh, the on ESPN where they were doing the plays of the week, the high school kid from Texas hurdles the kid and runs for a 90-yard touchdown, but it doesn't count. Comes back, 15-yard penalty for leaving his feet. I'm going to I'm gonna call it back again before we get Cam here I, because it pissed me off so much. Billy Bob, trash at football. Trash. I'm here, I'm here to say it. Absolute garbage. Would not be good. So the, this whole idea that Billy Bob's this most improved lineman at the lineman camp while he's shooting the trophies with a shotgun – Garbage, dude would be terrible. He would be buns. Like it would would not even be here for it. Um, he's five foot nine. He's three hundred pounds, and he's six foot round. Like this, this would not happen. This dude would get ran off the field if he were actually playing football. Great character, likes to throw up and say he leaves hot dogs left in the in, in the washing machine. But trash, trash football player. Cam, and then we'll hit you, SSL. But just that whole part about the shotgun is just so heartbreaking. I mean, I think that's the most emotional part of the also, film. Also, also a shout out to CTE. I mean, dead dead serious. This is this is. I mean, this is a funny podcast. We laugh and we have good jokes here, but concussion symptoms. I mean, there is a legitimate sign that he's about to commit suicide. One hundred percent. They they say that you know they bring bacon over there and they say you would you would know what to do. You would be able to take care of him. That is a dead sign that somebody's about to commit suicide, and this is a kid who has struggled throughout the entire movie with head trauma. Like, I, I, again, I know this entire movie or this entire podcast is about jokes, laughs, and and and, and the best cinematography use of Cool Whip and stuff like that. But CTE, a major thing in this movie, and they're calling it out 1999, which makes me wonder. Why in the hell, if these dipshits knew that this was a major thing, why in the hell it took for the rest of us to understand, hey, getting hit in the head, not good for you. I didn't realize it until I was a freshman in college. It was like, oh, my God, I've made a bad life choice. I mean, honestly, I made a bad life choice 
to be out here running my head up against people. What am I going to look like when I'm 50 years old? It's a major question that I had to settle with as a football player. Dan, I'm sure you as well, Cam, and SSL, all of us. Um, what, what else we got? SSL, you raised your hand uh, on ball bracket before we move on to 1980. Well, I mean, you know, it, it's it's going to extend away a bit from ball braggart a bit because I'm glad you bring up the whole thing about Billy Bob because there's a reason why we all, I think all of us agree that he's possibly the best character as far in this movie. You know, and Twitter gets all the laughs and everything, but Billy Bob is the character. Yeah. You know, he is the one that the audience feels the most in touch with. He's the one that we see struggle the most in this movie. He's the one that we see not just with the CTE. He struggles with his own self, you know, self identities and issues. You know, he he struggles with the idea that he feels responsible for Lance getting hurt. Yep. And that weighs heavily on him in this whole movie. And I think that's really interesting. Now, the one thing I will say about the ball braggart that brings us back is Buddy is drunk off his ass. Is <laughs> out here with the shotgun, yeah. shooting his trophies. Yeah. I don't think he's going to hit every single one of those shots. I, I that, if you notice that shotgun doesn't even have sights on it. I mean, I, I don't know anything about guns or shotguns except for the two that I got strapped to my shoulders. Bang. How about that? Oh, um, yeah, it had to. It was too easy. Cam, what do you got? Yeah, Dan, you've been flexing the entire time in the video. I, I've noticed it. I see it. Yes, we are in a 75-day challenge. You look great, man, but dear God almighty. Um, Cam, what else do you got? I was just going to say to go with SSL thing. He he doesn't hit each one of them. If you look there yeah. when he shot it, it, it acts like he shot it and hit it, but there's just like a whole trophy, you know, laying out there in the middle of the field. Uh, so, I mean, Billy Bob, not a good football player, not a good shot. Not a good shot, but hey, he yeah. was an entire fifth down at that point. Straight pulls out of the whiskey bottle. So, shout out, and he's 17, 18 years old. So, yeah. I would, but he's an experienced drinker at this point. I did, one thing he did say resonated with me as a fellow fat kid and a kid that's been fat my entire life, especially growing up. There's a, there's a point in that scene where he talks about being yelled at for being too fat and being too slow and being too dumb. That's real. I, I got called fat my entire life growing up, even by the, the adults in the room, right? Even even by the adults on the coaching staff of the rec football teams that I played for. So I 100% felt that one. That one was an absolute relatable point. Let's move on to 1980. It's actually our last category for the night. And, guys, I, I didn't see too many or hear too many tired lines in this movie except for Marcy delivers one right after Lance gets hurt. She says the, quote, things change mocks twice in a row, literally back-to-back. I mean, she says it, Mox returns a line, she says it again. And I'm like, okay, I, I think as, as, as writers, we probably could have wrote something else in there for her other than just the same line over and over again. Anybody else got anything for 1980? Well, I would say one of the tired tropes is the, the coach post-game, uh, after a bad game, the whole F you. Uh, they, they start, I hope it start was worth it. Yeah, they're just demeaning all the kids. Hey, you fat piece of shit, get out of my locker room. I mean, like, that doesn't happen. I mean, coaches get mad and they'll be like, you know, you play terrible, but they're not. They're not going to make it personal like that. I mean, Rush Probst might. Um, he might. <laughs> Cam, what else you got? I, I was just going to bring up. You know, we brought it up already, but the I'm behind you. I mean, that's two football yeah. movies in a row we've done, and both time the coaches have said that. And I also want to call out Dan here, man, dumbest smart kid you know you've ever met. I feel personally attacked. I got that every day in practice. It hurt my feelings. That's a problem. That's a problem. It is. It hurt my feelings. 
Man, great movie though, <laughs> honestly. And and let's let's get into it. In our last category of the night um, is over under properly rated. I mean, you know, this is uh, uh, speaking of tropes. Tropes been a, a major key term for us tonight on the podcast. But uh, a radio trope, uh, uh, as old as time in sports radio, is overrated, underrated, or properly rated. I'll tell you right now. Rotten Tomatoes audience score has this at 76%. And I'm going to go ahead and say this is underrated. I don't know what those 24% of the audience was watching. I don't think there is a flaw in this movie. I really don't. I loved this movie from start to finish. Again, from the opening monologue till the final scene, I loved every bit of this movie. And I came into it not really expecting two. I thought, you know, the Billy Bob character was a little bit overblown when I first watched, you know, when I first watched this movie, I would say I watched like five minute clips here and there every once in a while when I turned the TV on and saw it. Um, But watching it from start to finish, there's no flaws in this movie. We didn't talk about Eddie Lacey at all tonight. I think the only trimming of the fat that there ever was in this movie was the one scene where Mox goes to his girl's house and throws rocks at the window. That scene is useless. It doesn't need to be in there. It is an Eddie Lacey moment. But apart from that, this movie's flawless from start to finish. I, I loved every bit of it. For me, this is an underrated movie, even off the 76% score. Uh, SSL, let's go to you, and then we'll wrap up with Cam and Dan. Uh, I, I say I enjoyed it. Um, 76, I, I don't want to say it's about right because I think it's a little better than that. I yeah. don't think it's greatly over it. I'd probably give it like a solid 8 to 10 or so. So so eight we'll go, we'll, we'll put you down as a properly rated uh, because, you know, you're splitting hairs there. 76 to an 80. I mean, you, you're, you're probably rating that movie. That That's what we'll go down with with you. Uh, Cam, what do you got? Overrated, underrated, properly rated? I mean, I'm going to go underrated. I love this movie. It, it's fantastic. It, it's relatable, even if you haven't uh, experienced that. You know, there's stuff that you can relate to in there. Um, I, I think it's underrated. I think it's going to be – I don't know where we're going next with the movies, but I think it'll be a while before we get to one that, that is as enjoyable as this movie. Yeah, we'll probably take some suggestions from the audience after tonight's show as to what movie they want to watch next. Um, but, yeah, there, there, there are some football and, and sports movies in general – that I know that I love. One one of which, Days of Thunder, I think is is one of the best sports movies ever, and I know SSL's rock hard for that one. Dan, overrated, underrated, properly rated at a seventy six percent. It's severely underrated. First of all, the football is actually good. I mean, it, it's enjoyable. There's plenty of football. That the cut the fat part, Eddie Lacy. There's not really any of that. I mean, I, the only character I don't like in the movie is Jules. She's the wet blanket girlfriend. I mean, she's yeah. terrible. She freaking hates Mox the whole movie because he's having success. I just, I, I could do without her, but it's severely underrated. The football's good. The jokes are hilarious. It, it's, it, it ages well. It's, it's a great freaking movie. And, you know, it, I don't know if you're going to do the tailgate or, or pass. Category, no, I, I think but, we're, we're all tailgating it. I don't think anyone's yeah, tossing hell, this yeah, movie. We're all, we're all tailgating this movie. So I don't think there's any point in going into that category. Um, you know, because it's just that. Oh, I forgot one quote. Ladies, shut up and hold on to your nipples. That's a, it's a great, it's a great quote for Tweeter, man. It's a great quote for Tweeter, and we'll end it up on that one. Ladies, shut up and hold on to your nipples. We'll see you next week with another episode of Tailgate Tapes, gentlemen. I had a blast tonight. I hope the audience had a good time. Man, I'm, I'm not really looking forward to a movie where we're not laughing. I, like The Express. I don't think we're going to be laughing our ass off in that one. Um, we're we're going to be critically uh, talking about a movie as opposed to just comically. 
talking about a movie. But guys, I appreciate you guys being here. Um, audience, remember to like, subscribe, rate, and review uh, to the podcast wherever you found it. And tell your friends, man, we're having a good time over here uh, every Sunday night, Monday morning for you.